1: People have to stop telling you who you look like. I've done it too, but stop telling everybody who they look like. Everybody wants to tell you, oh my God, you look like my friend Bill. You look just like him. Then you meet Bill, you're like, oh shit, is that what I look like? <laughs> I once had a girl, she told me I look like, she goes, you look like John Goodman. <laughs> I was like, what? She goes, oh no, 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 ah, no. no, 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 no. She goes, a young, thin John Goodman. Okay, that's not going to make me feel any better. I would never say to a girl, you look like a, uh, you know what? You look like a pig. (laughs) Oh my God, not a fat pig. No, a young, thin pig. You're like a hot smoking pig, you know what I mean? Like a pig that works out. Like a pig, not a pig, you're thinking of a pig in mud. No, you're so insecure, it's probably issues you have, you know, I'm thinking of a pig that was laying in mud but said, oh my God, just cause I'm a pig, I don't have to live like a pig, you know what I mean? Goes back to school, gets its GED, drives around the neighborhood with a pretty scarf, that type of pig. She was like, oh, thank you. Todd Glass
2: is a gifted comedian who originally hails from Philadelphia. Now based in Los Angeles, Glass is the host of the award-winning podcast, The Todd Glass Show. He's the author of the best-selling memoir, The Todd Glass Situation, and one of the most acclaimed stand-ups working today. He's planning to release a new special soon, and he has a few residencies set up in 2017, including January 25th to 29th at the Helium Comedy Club in Philadelphia, February 23rd to 25th at Yuck Yucks Vancouver as part of JFL Northwest, and May 16th to 21st at Royal Comedy Club in Hopkins, Minnesota. Here now to discuss some of those things is the great Todd Glass. Uh, Hi, Todd. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. Look at you. You you do your homework? You got some good dates in there?
2: (laughs) Well, I try to do my—that's all I can do, really.
1: Are you out of Vancouver? Is that where you're at?
2: No, I'm in Ontario. I'm calling you from Guelph, Ontario.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Well, yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to going back to Yuck Yucks. I was there last year for the festival, and uh, I liked it because I just did one show Thursday, two shows Friday. Like, I'm just there. I don't have to bounce around the different venues every night. So I sort of am a big fan of setting up, you know, being at a club for like five, six days, getting in there, getting comfortable, and then just... Going back every night, predictability. They they were awesome last year when I was there. They ran a pretty tight ship, and I'm looking forward to going back, definitely.
2: Do you have a, a sense of, of difference when you're touring in Canada as opposed to the U.S.?
1: You know... I don't know what the rhyme or reason is sometimes why certain clubs. I mean, overwhelmingly, certain clubs are better just because they've their audiences are better because they've trained their audiences better, and that's really what it comes down to. There's, I believe, there's smart people everywhere you go, for lack of a better word, or at least co- uh, familiar with comedy. They they understand you don't heckle. They understand it's like a play or a movie. You know, you, you, you uh, so, uh when they cultivate those audiences, I think it's usually because they've trained them. Uh, <laughs> you know, you put up, you put up with people yelling out, people yell out, you know, but uh, when you work at a good club, they, have, you know, I like to work at clubs that have zero tolerance for people yelling out. You know, I want people to come, be in a great mood, have a great time, but I don't want people yelling out. It's not part of my show. So, um, so whatever, so overwhelming, I think it's because good audiences are because they've trained them. But, no, I don't think anyone would deny there's also sometimes certain cities just uh, their crowds are great. And Canada overwhelmingly uh, has really great audiences. Uh, They I don't know what it is, but uh, I think it's more than just that they've trained them. I think uh, there's something there's something there's something I don't know what it is, but I really genuinely not just saying it uh, love going there to perform. It's fun. And a lot of comedians say that, not just me
2: maybe maybe canadians and i'm not trying to toot our own horns here but maybe we just have a, an inherent sense of respect for uh, other people
1: you, you know what it's funny you say that because respect you're right you're probably right that like i always say like when you if you respect other people your audiences will show up accordingly like when you see a comedian without mentioning names that his audience is in into- he his comedy is intolerant like he's always Maybe making fun of the wrong thing, and uh, and then you realize, oh, you, then there are the audiences that show up. So you're probably right, you know they they're socially evolved uh, overwhelmingly, and uh, maybe that uh, just even when it comes down to stand up comedy, uh, uh, you reap the benefits of audiences that are what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> well, Everything I, you said.
2: <laughs> I'm going to take that as a giant compliment for Canada. Frankly, uh, why not? I uh... you
1: should. You should, uh, because I'm not from there. So why would I benefit? You know, I always say the same thing. I would not just overly compliment uh, a place because I'm going there because you look like a moron. If you do that, people that are listening are going, well, that's not true. Uh, But I think people that live there, uh, it's good to know that You, you, you have a good rep. In the comedy community, you have a good reputation. Canada has a great reputation. And by the way, that's not just Vancouver. I feel that way when I go to Toronto. Yeah. Um, I feel the same way. You know, it's just it's and I did a big just for laughs tour with uh, Dimitri Martin and John Doerr and uh, felt the same way. Went to cities that I'd never been to before, and overwhelmingly, it doesn't mean 100% of the time, but I'd say 80% of the time we found ourselves in these venues that were just... Uh, had a respect for comedy, and it makes performing a lot of fun.
2: There's a... Beyond the audiences and the reception you get, do you have any particular affinity for some of the comedy that has come out of our country? I, I When I speak with American comedians, they... They're often quite reverent about our comedic tradition here in Canada.
1: You know, as much as I know about comedy, sometimes i, I my uncle once said, uh, "You don't want to look stupid, just don't uh, say, just don't try to talk about what you don't know." So, <laughs> right? Uh, or say words you don't know. So, I- as much as I do know about Canada, I, I probably I don't know that much. I know there's something that I just happened to talk to talk about a while back just about two weeks ago we you know when i was younger i didn't really understand it when i was younger snl was on and second city was on and then uh uh kids in the hall yeah and uh now as an adult i realize and i love second city when that came along and i love kids in the hall it was so different and so just different at putting it simply uh (laughs) so uh, now going back they probably uh you know they they it probably is what I'm talking about right now. Why do I love performing there? And in hindsight, yeah, uh, some of the sketch that came out of there was just uh, how do you say it? You know, you just it was it was better. It was better. Well,
2: I mean, you mentioned SNL, Lord. and
1: SNL. By the way, I'm not saying that SNL, especially back then, didn't have you know some unbelievable stuff came from SNL. But maybe what fed me was that. Little quirkier, a little different. And uh, even when I was, you know, literally, I don't know, 20, uh, 21, that stuff really uh, did it for me.
2: Well, like I was just going to say, SNL spearheaded by a Canadian Lauren Michaels.
1: Well, there you go. There you go.
2: The whole time, the whole time we've, we've had a guy down there at one of the greatest now. I mean, I don't, are you an SNL person? Do you like SNL? Do you follow SNL?
1: You know, I I think there's – I'm always really careful when I say anything anywhere because, you know, if somebody that was on SNL was listening and I just gave a blanket shit all over SNL, um, you know, I I, I wouldn't want to come off that way because I still think still uh, great things come out of SNL. More the performers. I can watch SNL and go, God – I see a lot of funny people that are on SNL. I can tell. They're talented. And I don't think – uh, talent is getting worse. Talent gets better. Comedy right. gets better. Sketch gets better. It's just the way it works. It's not up. It sounds a little cocky. It's not really up for debate. You know, comedy gets better, and that's the way it should be. Sketch gets better, but that doesn't mean every vehicle gets better. And I think there's a lot of talented people that ended up then end up on SNL in a tired format. And I bet they'd be the first ones to go, "Yeah, hello, thank you," and some some cast members to come along. They tend to come along and take that tired formula, formulaic, that formula that's been around forever, and the way they did deliver their sketch and freshen it up to to where I can't even believe it. But they're still they're still stuck in the in that confines of SNL, you know, sketch, go to commercial, blah blah blah. So it's hard for some brilliant people to be at their most brilliant when stuck in the reforms, if that's the right word for that show. Uh, so when you ask me if I'm a fan of SNL, you know, I, I don't think it's. I think we tend to get better sketch through like, you know, um, KM, you know, Key and peel and stuff like that, where it's just a little can be a little different.
2: Right. No, that's that's fair. I mean, you're in a realm now in terms of podcasting that's really saturated. There's lots of comedians doing it. Have you? Come upon. I mean, you know, people can listen to your show and hear it for themselves. But do you are you conscious of trying to stand out? Are you conscious of things you want to to do within the realm that that aren't going to seem tired and stale?
1: I mean, I well, the podcast for me, just the way I try to look at it. I mean, believe me, I'm a guy who loves to overanalyze things, uh, which I think is good sometimes. But as far as you know, for comedy to figure out, you know, oh, I'll do some comedy that'll make me stand the test of time. No, I don't I don't necessarily think of it that way, but I do know that if you part of uh being around for a while, I, I think it's certainly not saying, oh, comedy's over, you know, comedians that think comedy's over. I, I, I usually see their careers as sort of probably I mean, unless they're already famous, so famous where they don't have to worry about that, but but uh I think part of it is just knowing that their comedy is still great, comedy gets better. Uh, It doesn't get worse. It doesn't mean that there's not old school guys around that are still funny, but uh, there's certainly a lot of new people that come along and they're funny. And I think realizing that helps keep you like in touch with the truth. Uh, and, and being able to learn and being able to, uh, stick around to do comedy for a while. I don't think, you know, people that go, oh, comedy's over. It used to be great. Yeah. It used to be great. It still is. Right. You're just not in touch. The same people that say that about music, you know, music isn't what it used to be. They're usually people that aren't going out to see new great bands. They're not going where they need to see those bands. Um, they become out of touch and the more you come, you become out of touch, you know, and then you're going oh, nothing's what it used to be. I know one thing that when people say comedy isn't what it used to be, I just know one thing. I mean, there's probably a lot of things I could know about them, but I know one thing for sure when I hear someone say, you know, a 40- or a 50-year-old comedian, oh, comedy's not what it used to be, I go, oh, you're out of touch. <laughs> you're, not, you're not making that decision because you're going out four, five, six nights a week to see comedy. You went out once, you poked your head in the door of this place. And maybe that wasn't the best night it had. You poked your head in this, you think, ah, it's it's just this, it's that. So I just know you're not really uh you're not really in touch anymore, or you would be echoing the words I'm saying. I'm not saying comedy's great because I've decided it was. I'm in touch with what it is. And there's so many great new uh funny people. And uh and that inspires me. You yeah, know, when I see people that are really funny. And you know what? If you asked me all their names, I'd be able to mention some, but I wouldn't be able to mention all. There's some people, like when I go to Toronto or when I go to Vancouver, I'll see guys that I'm in the back of the room. I'm like, fuck, this guy's so funny. I might not even remember his name. There's a lot of those. Right. There's a lot of those. But then eventually you learn their name because you see them a year later. You're like, oh, that's that guy that we saw last year, you know. And uh, so I think an answer to your question is uh, – I, I think uh, yeah. Anyway, that was that was a, that was a great. I'm really good at speaking.
2: Well, I wanted to ask a little bit about realms, and uh, I was just asking you about podcasts and We'll get more. We'll talk about your show a little bit more. But when you were speaking there, I thought of you on Twitter because you're you're on there. You're on the Twitter. You're not uh, super prolific, but one of your most recent tweets was about Dan Neinen, and this story has uh, really captured the attention. I mean we're just past I I guess the real boom of it but there's this guy Dan Nine for people who don't know and it turns he's a comedian he turns out he was what a liar basically he was not a real he he just talks about his success all the time do you have you ever come across this guy you know
1: I I didn't I didn't and, and the only reason I made that joke is because I always constantly make jokes about my age I'm going oh, I'm going to be 22 next week right but um so, I, you know, I said, you know, for a guy who's 33, which I'm not, I can tell he wasn't. But, you know, the truth of the matter is with that, uh, I didn't really care. It was more I looked, you know, I, his stand up. He doesn't really do state does corporate shows and stuff like that, which are fine, you know, but he's not really like in the comedy community. I, I from what I understand. Um, but I, I you know what part of me? It's funny what gets certain people. uh should he take a little uh, ribbing for it? Yeah, of course. Of course he should. He lied about his age, but it didn't really bother me. I, I sort of, I sort of like, you know, I, I was like, all right, you know, I, I sort of half get it, you know, like you, the, the business is based a lot on age and some people really care about age. And maybe somewhere along the line, he just thought, you know, hey, I'm going to say I'm 35. I can get away with it. So it didn't, it didn't bother me that much. I was like, all right, it's not, well, I think I have a, a better th- I think I can, you know, you know, get get more annoyed at other things that are more relevant, even comedically relevant. You know,
2: did you happen to read the kind of investigative piece about Dan Ninen in the Daily Beast, Todd?
1: Uh No, I just I just knew about it through Twitter. That I just knew the the, the short end of it that he lied about his age, and uh, and then I went and looked at his Twitter feed, and I realized, you know, he's a guy that posts pictures of, you know, just sort of, you know, like one of those guys that's that uh, you know the the, the humble brags as Harris Whittles. Uh, key just, uh, but I didn't read the whole piece. No. Okay, well no.
2: let me let me just because what I will say about it is, on the one hand, it's everything you're saying; it's a silly kind of situation, a guy's lying about his age and other stuff too. But it, when you actually step back and read this story, when he he's kind of really angry at the world of comedy, and he makes basically a, a hit list uh, via an yeah, e- email newsletter, right? He attacks other comedians and 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 really makes fun of their lack of success compared to him. And and you, what you really get out of it is he's this wannabe comedian who can't penetrate the comedy world, and he thinks it's this insular place. He's trying to highlight that. And then it becomes this sad story on some level. Like, yes, he's a fraud, but he's just a guy who really wants to be a comedian like so many people. He's a wannabe comedian. There seems to be some... And, you know, we've seen this with Trump, too. He's there's something about comedy and coming across intelligently that sets some guys off. And I think that's what happened with this guy.
1: Yeah, like I said, I I I, I don't know that much about it except that uh, you know, comedy is I mean, comedy suffers the same thing that the the world there, there's there's there's, you know, sex, sexism or ageism and I'm sure it but, you know, I'm sure it falls under that category. But as far as stand up goes, you know, it, you make it what you want you know mm. you do what you want you anybody who you find blaming too much here's the problem here's the problem look everybody deals with that and it does exist i don't want to make it sound like there are certain groups of people in comedy that uh have a little more of a fight than other groups uh but like i said that just echoes societal no, societal problems right. but overwhelmingly you know you it, look everyone just has to deal with it and you know, so as far as his as far as him saying it's unfair i'm you know it's it is what it is everybody's you know I have an expression, and it really makes you work hard in comedy or whatever you do, and even if it's not true which i but I believe it is uh everybody's and by the way, I couldn't say this if I was louis c k because then you're too successful to say what I'm about to say. <laughs> But 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 I'm you know, I'm, I've am i had success, but I'm not have Louis C.K. success. But I say no matter what you're doing in stand up or probably it, it applies to anything. everybody's exactly where they belong in their career, mm-hmm. including me. Everybody's exactly where they belong. Everybody, you know, it, it's you're at where you're at. And the thing is, some people get a they, they don't like hearing that because, well, it certainly makes you accountable for where you're at. And uh, so some people don't like that because then they're like, no, I'm not where I'm at because it's fair. It's like I was dealt a bad deck of cards. I was. Hey, and I get jealous, just like every other comedian. I've said that before. It doesn't mean I sit around all day and and positive and I get jealous. But uh, I try to turn it into motivation because I really do believe it that even comedians that I don't like. And by the way, I'm not going to lie. There's some comedians. I really don't like their craft. It's right. I understand why Elvis shot a TV. Uh, the the infamous Elvis shooting the TV story. I understand it, but where I where where I don't cross the line is, Oh, they shouldn't have that. No, they have whatever they deserve. I don't like it. I watch it. It makes me cringe because it's so bad, but they deserve it. They're not in the way of my career. And that's where I don't draw the line. Oh, I should have that. No, no, no. You have exactly what you deserve and they have what they deserve. We might not like it, but they deserve it. So I try to, in that sense, uh, take responsibility, you know, everybody, it's all It's all. It's all what it is. We're all dealing with the same thing. So just go work harder and it's nobody else's fault.
2: Yeah. I think that sometimes when you work in the public and you get a small, relatively small group of people telling you you're doing a good job at something and you feel like you're doing a good job at something, but it's not resonating, it puts you in a weird position because you're like, well, how do I, these, this group of people seems to really enjoy what I'm doing. How do I make it Resonate. How do I make it? You know, how do I spread the word about it? And and some of that, I, I'm sure you know, is luck and timing, right?
1: It's a little bit of everything, and 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 a lot of times it's just some. You know, just work a little harder, and uh, and uh, but but it's you know it's just it is what it is. It's where you're at. Where you're at because that's where you're at. It's nobody else's fault. Now some people might disagree with that. But, you know, that's like if somebody won the lottery. You know, if your neighbor won, if your neighbor won the lottery. Yeah. Did they get lucky? Oh, is there some people that get more luck than others? Yeah, yeah, of course. But you didn't. So if you if you sit around going, hey, that guy won the lottery, that's not fair. Well, he won it and you didn't. So you know what are you going to do? Just <laughs> right. sit around going, I wanted to be as lucky as him. Right. Well, you weren't. So. Get jealous. And that's OK. And be like, fuck, I wish I would have won the lottery. I wish I would. But then, you know, you've got to snap out of it or you just sit around all day going. I want the luck that person had. I want the luck that that person that I perceive shouldn't have had that luck. I want that luck. Well, yeah, I get that. Of course. That's that's a normal thing to think. But now get over it and go out there and, and just work and and. and and bring some things your way, you know.
2: Yeah. No, that's that's a that's a that's obviously a very reasonable philosophy and I assume that, you know, part of this uh part of your outlook on life obviously comes from the fact that you grew up in Philadelphia, you're living in LA. Uh I'm curious about your view of your country right now. Do you recognize the citizenry that that someone like Donald Trump is resonating with? <sighs>
1: Just the question alone is exhausting. Um,
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. Because you know,
1: it, you, you talk about this even as a comedian, because you know, you're going, uh, you're doing podcasts, you do radio and local markets, and it gets brought up. I, I have, you know, I, I have. Uh, I mean, you know, this is a, a, a very. This is interesting because even people that don't like him, you know, like I'm a guy who like Bernie. If you put everybody in a room that loved Bernie, I didn't like Bernie. I loved Bernie. I yeah. wanted Bernie so bad. Yeah. Uh, and when people say, well, he was going to move too quickly. We have, to, we have to fix things incrementally and go slow. And I'm like, fuck that. Mm-hmm. Why can't we move quick? You know, for the people that are getting su- uh, suffering, I bet they wish we'd move a little quicker. And I get it. I do get it. We can't have too much change because you have to, you have to move people along nice and slow, nice and slow. But I bet if someone was choking you to death, You'd hope the police moved in a little quicker. You hope they went, well, we got to move in slow. You'd be like, no, this, they're, I'm being choked. Right. So Can't we move a little? And that's how I feel about people around the world that are being choked, maybe not literally and maybe literally that I needed. I, want, I thought Bernie could have done a great job, but I was a Bernie guy. Bernie didn't win. I wasn't crazy about Hillary, but I thought that I knew I had to vote for her to stop to stop him. Mm-hmm. Even when you get all those people in a room that did exactly what I said. Bernie people went to Hillary. There's still a lot of disagreements even now, how we go forward, because I just think you got to go forward by by just we have to do a little more heavy lifting. We have to do a little more heavy lifting. You know, it's nice when there's someone in the office that has our back and is socially progressive and socially aware. But if we don't, we just have to take it to the streets. And I think you can complain and that's okay to complain. You shouldn't not complain at all. Complaining's good. Complaining can lead to good things. Right. But at one point complaining if it just leads to more complaining. Okay, now we have it. He's the president of the United States. So now what are we going to do? And I always say my expression's been take the love to the streets. Take it to the streets. So you know, just so that's sort of my stance right now. I'm not happy about it. You know, I did some crying. Now the crying was really never over me. It was groups of people that are going to feel his you know feel the pain of what he does and finding out there's people in my own camp that voted for him so i'm just trying to you know you know what i say and may, i don't know if everyone loves him as much as i do van, you know van Jones i'm gonna say his name wrong van jones
2: van jones from CNN. well he's he, yeah. yeah yeah that's right yeah
1: i feel like i just want to go what's he say to do that's what my new thing is <laughs> like what's he say what's he saying to do because he seems very well-spoken very clean and articulate and do his thoughts and uh, that's my new thing. I just go, what's Van Jones saying to do? I want I I him to be on television every day saying, here's what we have to do. Here's how we can move forward. Because, you know, at the end of the day, if you can either be a pessimist or an optimist, and if you choose, if you choose to be an, uh, an optimist, as bad as things get. And I don't want to say this in disrespect to the people that are going to feel the daily pain that he's going to bring people, I get it. But even when people complain about the world, if you ask well-thought-out, somewhat logical people, even after they complain for an hour, two people complaining, complaining, complaining. I'm not talking about idiots. I'm talking about pretty intelligent people complaining about the world, which they had a right to do. And then you say to them, well, what year do you want to go back to? Right. They'll very quickly go, no, no year. I get it. I'm not going to be one of those people. You know, I get it. We. What are we going to do? Go back to when we were – look at the way we treated women, look at the way black people were treated, look at the way Mexican were people, look at the way gay people were treated. Most people will go, no, we're better off now as much as, so maybe the good thing I took out of this was, you know, I felt unsafe the day after he won. I felt unsafe in my own world. I said it to my brother, I go, I never woke up and feel not safe. Mm -hmm. What I came to is well, that's the way certain people feel every fucking day. So who am I? I? I can be mean when I'm being mean to myself in a fake, you know what I mean, in in, in your head. Yeah, sure. Well, who, to, who the fuck am I not to feel what it feels like to be unsafe? Maybe I need to feel unsafe. Maybe I need to feel unsafe because that's the way a lot of groups of people feel every day of their lives, unsafe and scared. And now maybe if I can feel that, that's why the, the scenario of, oh, wouldn't it be great if you got into a plane crash? Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe what? So I only felt three weeks of being scared. Maybe I need to feel a year of it, two years of it, four years of it to feel what it feels like to be scared. And then maybe I can have the proper empathy for other people that feel that way their whole lives. So maybe when people say you got to go backwards to go forwards, you know, you go. Maybe that's what we're dealing with right now, because it does seem no matter how bad things get. If you take everybody into consideration the way we were treated back in the day most people say no we're still better off than we were so i would imagine that's what's going to happen now we're still in 5 years going to be better off than we were now so just take love to the streets get involved and move forward i
2: appreciate that response and it's interesting to me that it you know your response, your initial response to the question was like oh you know, <laughs> you know this uh, you have to deal with this situation and it is exhausting does this this topic is it going to enter your material? Is it going to enter your conversations on your show?
1: You know, I, we talk about it a little bit on the show. I talk about social issues. They're the thing that I enjoy talking about the most in my comedy. But I don't. I don't because I don't feel. That's why I say I want to know what Van Jones says. Or people like, uh, you know, people that I respect in the media. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, Rachel Maddow seems to be. You know, right after he lost, here's what I said. I, I got bummed. I was bummed. And then I said, I don't really even want to see, hear the people that are going to make light, you know, bring comedy to it. People that I love, like John Oliver, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. I I, I wasn't even ready for that. All I wanted to, because they're, they're going to brilliantly, uh, you know, uh, make fun of the, you know, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, But I wanted to, all I said an hour later was all I want to hear that people that are brilliantly brilliantly going to tell us how to go forward cleanly and brilliantly yeah. not that and by the way also i ended up watching john oliver too because i love him but what i meant was i wasn't ready for that yet i wanted to hear people that are going to go here's what we need to do this happened at a lack of a more intelligent way to say it it sucks but how do we go forward brilliantly what are we supposed to do how do we go forward brilliantly and i don't think i have the answer to that so if i talk about it in my act i don't think i'm uh, bringing as much uh, uh, you know, make it a clean point as much as I want to. So I'm not really talking about that on stage at all. Uh,
2: well, I mean, like, some comedians are actually trying to, you know, mine this all for material. But, again, when you step back and look at what's going on, it's not really fun, is it? It's not really funny.
1: I mean, humor comes from everything, but it's, it can stress you out a little bit. I mean, but, again, the fact that I'm even saying this, that I've lived through 9-11... You know, and I've and I and, and certain people have lived through more than that. And there's other things, too. But I just, you know, mention that because it's the most obvious thing that we've all lived through. But it says that, you know, like, again, like this is this is pretty who it's 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 a big deal. But like, maybe that's OK. Maybe I need maybe I other people have lived this life, you know, that, that have felt this much stress in their life because of who they are or what color they are or what sex they are every day of their every day of their life they felt this and maybe it's okay that we feel it you know maybe it's a good thing i i since the world gets better like we said like i'm repeating myself since we do tend to go as as much pro we still need to make a shit ton of progress but most level-headed people will say no we're better off than we were 10 years ago so that means that if you just look at stats we're probably gonna do the same thing. So maybe this is part of it. Maybe this is all necessary. Maybe it's not like, oh, I wish he wouldn't have won. Maybe it's like, could it be a good thing? Is there any chance that someone more articulate than me could go, oh yeah, this, this is someone that listens to your show, could hear what I'm saying, but more brilliantly be able to go, he's right on point. He's right on point. This didn't happen accidentally. Yeah. Maybe this was necessary. And maybe I've sort of been able to pinpoint one little element of why it could That we all feel nervous and scared and unsafe. And that could help us have empathy. Empathy always leads to good things. So I would imagine that this is necessary and just, you know, just move forward. But it's just, but but in answer to your question, like, you know, is it not funny? I mean, everything's funny. So there's nothing that can't be made funny. The more taboo the subject, the more careful we should be at poking poking humor at it. You know, if you're making fun of uh, you know uh, dogs or cats and it's a shitty joke it doesn't hurt anybody but when you're making fun of this you you hope you're on the right side of poking fun at a more taboo issue but yeah. I, I mean I've seen comedians talk about it and and be you know I, I but I just want to make it real clear I'm not by any means saying oh no one should talk about it because it's too serious no there's nothing on the planet that uh, whether it's nine eleven or cancer everything has the ability to uh, to be funny
2: yeah yeah. You're you're about 200 and I think it's 277 episodes into your show. Is that right?
1: So I think so. I think it's about, yeah. How are you
2: feeling about the show generally? Uh, how, how are you feeling about it?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I, I said it a long time ago about podcasting. You know, podcasting, what, what podcasting did was radio was always great. You know, I, I grew up. I, I would listen to radio in the car. Sometimes I grew up listening to Howard Stern, and you know, there is something about going into the store and then coming back out into your car. Or some people would sit and listen to Howard Stern just sitting around the house, but you could also be mobile and listening to it. And but 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 radio always had the confines of uh, you know the the, uh, the suits, you know, that they told them. So what what podcasting did? It came along in one clean swoop and it gave radio the purity of stand up. Right, that's really what it did. It's like, oh yeah. So now you know why people love stand-up because it's it's either great or it sucks, you know, because it's it's so pure. It's you. You write. You direct. You edit, and that's why we get to have comedians from you know as far back as if you go to Richard Pryor and people like that, or current day guys that we all love. Um, they get to be that because it's, it gets to be that pure. They write, direct, they edit, they star. So you get this, you and that's boom in one snap of the fingers. Podcasting comes along. And let's radio be that. So I'm like, wow, that's attractive to me, you know? So I love it. I still love doing my podcast. It's my favorite thing to do besides stand up. uh, They're my two favorite things in the world to do. So I still really love it. Good. No, that's
2: great. I mean, I I think, you know, when you do something enough, there are good days and bad days, good weeks and bad weeks, I assume. Do you have those?
1: You know, I'll answer that question the way I used to answer it about stand-up because people go, what do you do if you're in a bad mood and you have to perform? Now, look, this is probably different if you have to do, like, a show five days a week, like, you know, maybe, like, you know, uh, uh, Colbert or people like that or Conan, five days a week. What do you do when you're in a bad mood? Because it's every night. But I look at it like, what do you do if you're in a bad mood and you have to get a massage? Well, that helps you get out of your bad mood. (laughs) So... (laughs) So, you know, what if you're doing, you're real pissed off and you have to get a an hour foot massage. What do you do? Well, you get it and you feel better. So I think that's what the stand up does for me. If I am in a, a bad mood and I'm pretty even tempered, but like everybody, I have issues that happen in my life or dealing with family stuff and I uh, get into a funk. Uh, the podcast gets me out of it. By the time I get into the studio, you know, we some we often will have a drink or take smoke a little bit of pot um but even before that i am in the best mood in the world okay. so for for me it helps me it, it's like a massage and it gets me out of the funk that i'm in
2: that's awesome that's good to hear now you i mentioned at the, at the beginning that uh my understanding is you have a new special coming out is that right
1: i just shot a new hour special uh the way i've done mine is i, sh- I shoot them and then later we've sold them like the last the first one was comedy central my last one went to netflix i would like this one to go to netflix again because i had really really good uh turn it you know it really helped uh, netflix uh, a lot more people saw it than when it was on comedy central right and uh so i would love this one to go to comedy to uh to netflix but we shot it uh a production company shot it and uh it's i um i love it it's everything i wanted it to be and we're editing it right now and um and then i also shot a pilot called camping with todd which is Pretty much is uh, what it sounds like. I took. Uh, <laughs> you went camping, did you? For one night. For one night. And we really, you know, we really went out into the woods, even though there were some cameras there. And we, we did a good job of hiding them. Uh, it, You know, we still had a blazing fire. We still had uh, no cell phone, no TV. No, no The only lights we had were lights that you would have when you camp. We had some lanterns. We had the light of the fire. There was no like it was not. It was it was camping, you know. And uh, it really does bring different things out of people. It's more than just a gimmick. Like, oh, we're going to go camping. You no, know, it, it was me, Eddie Pepitone, Canadian, <laughs> Canadians, Canadi- Canada's own John Doe, and Zach Galvanakis.
2: <laughs> Sorry, that's a that's a good crew. Uh,
1: that's. Let me tell you something. It was everything I wanted it to be. <laughs> it it was silly. It was it was deep. You know, when you're in the dark and you're sitting around a fire. You don't have to tell people. Talk about different things you wouldn't normally talk about. It just happens, you know. It's you, your stars are above you. There's a literally a crackling fire, and you know there's like one shot that my friend said that says it all. It's a shot of you know the uh, the the uh, the fish. You know the food, the 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 junk food. You know the the fish. What are they called? The goldfish. Goldfish. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a big oversized one you would get at the store. And Zach Galvanak is just sitting there. Fire's crackling, his hands in there, and he's just eating out of the big thing of goldfish. And he's not doing it to be funny. He just—they were there, and he's just started eating them. And I'm like, and when I see that, when I saw that shot later, I'm like, that's what I. It was just, just so uncomfortable. We're sitting around a fire, we're making s'mores, and um, it was, it was, it was, it was really everything I wanted it to be. I know that camping's fun, and I know what it does. It's just shooting it. Can we shoot it? Can we get this across? on camera and make it seem as natural as we can. And you know what? The pilots are the hardest show to do because it's your first one. As you shoot a show, you get better and better and better. It was our first one and they did a great job at that. It's like once we once those guys showed up, we're sitting around the fire. We made oh we actually made dinner first. We really made dinner, we're sitting around the fire it's it's pretty close to as if we just did it in real life you know really they got set up they get the camera set up way before everyone got there everyone walked on it was dark they walked on to a relaxed I guess you could say it was a set because we were shooting it but it didn't seem like it it just seemed like we're just walking into the woods there's the fire there's some chairs boom we sat around and we spent about three hours
2: was there were there campfire songs
1: we had we did have campfire songs as a matter of fact we uh, one of the things that I thought would be great for the show if it gets on the air is that we have a musical performance at the end of each night. But of course, you know, unplugged. Right. So there was a a, um, a place around here that newer musicians perform at. And about two weeks before we shot, I saw this uh, group performing, and I asked them if they'd want to perform on the fire. So around the fire for the pilot of the show, and uh, no one knew I was going to do it. All of a sudden. They just, you know, I said, I told everyone, I go, we have you know, a treat at the end of the night. They came on. It was just a guitar, uh, bongos. And one guy had a trumpet, but he didn't have it. He, you couldn't tell he had it right away. It was like halfway through the song. He pulled it out. <laughs> we all had tambourines and we were singing. We, we lit some torches behind them as they were performing. So it, it turned into like, you know, we produced it. You know, it looked like a cool piece. Sure, But then that's how I would fantasize anybody uh, – that If we get the show sold every week, there'd be a musical performance like you see on Kim Ola or Conan, uh, but this would be unplugged around a fire pit, and it, so it would be very unique are you, are you you're a big music guy, right? you know i yes and no i i uh, i I try to you know only because my obsession with never saying, "Oh, music's not what it used to be, comedy's not what it used to be uh sometimes you know there's guys that work on the podcast that are a lot younger. So I'll always ask them, I go, throw some stuff on my phone, you know, throw some new music on my phone. It doesn't mean I have to love all of it, but because they put it on there, I I have learned, uh, of course, what I already knew, but uh, that, yeah, music's, uh, there's a lot of great music. There's a lot of new, great performers. So I just don't want to be one of those people that comedy, I stay relevant because I'm obsessed with it. Music, I could, I could have slipped. I could have went, yeah, I don't, you know, there's really no good music anymore, but because... Even back five years ago, like guys like Chris Burden, he was like 19 when he did, you know, guys that uh, tend to work on the shows are younger because, you know, they're that's, you know, they can they can do things. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Intern on a show. And so I would always say back from like, yeah, put music on my phone, put music on my phone. then I'm on the airplane. I start listening to it. I'm like, oh, this band's great. I really like these. So in that sense, yes. But I also love watching old stuff. Like I went to see Paul Anker recently in concert and it was unbelievably good and uh so i i like it all over the gambit Who is another canadian
2: another canadian i was gonna say do you have (laughs) do you have a go-to band do you have a go-to artist that like that's that's your band that's your artist
1: well newer people that i'd like to see um again sometimes i've seen one or two of their songs i've never seen them in concert because you know sometimes you could see like a band in concert and you're like oh i love those two songs but their concert wasn't that good sure but um so i don't know but i like um you know like i like uh, Mac DeMarco, I I was recently they put some of his stuff on my phone. I really liked uh, another uh, Canadian,
2: another Canadian.
1: Oh, really? Oh, see, I didn't even know that he was. <laughs> um, Oxygen. I like saw their video, and I'm like, I wouldn't mind going to see them in concert. And uh, 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 but some are like uh, J C Brooks and the Uptown Sounds, but they're they're sort of established, you know, like uh, sort of like uh, Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats. You know, they're pretty sure. established. So I try to stay, you know, I try to. I I try to introduce myself to new music.
2: Okay. No, that's, that's fair. I just wondered if you had like a foundational artist, you know, like you were a big kiss fan or something when you were a
1: kid. No, you know what? I never really was. I never really, uh, I know what you mean. Like when comedy, you asked me the same question, I would, I would be like, Oh, but with uh, music, it's just uh, really all over the place.
2: Sure. That's fair. Just real quick back to the, the camping thing is the premise that you're camping with people who don't like camping.
1: No, no matter of fact, I didn't want when we talked about putting the show together and how what it was going to be, you know, yeah, the simple, the, the simple, the, the, uh, the simple way of explaining it. It's, you know, we're going to go camping. But uh, I didn't want to have it be like, oh, look, Zach Galvanakis can't set up his tent. Because to me, that's not the best thing about camping. Could it have been fun? And that's the way most reality shows, not reality shows, but shows they think that way right away. Oh, they're camping. They won't be able to do this. They right. won't be what is special about camping. Like I said, it's. Uh, getting away from TV, getting away from the phone, getting away from the internet, you're in the woods, it's dark, I don't care if there. it's a production, and yes, there's a bathroom 50 feet away because we're shooting it, you know, it doesn't matter, we're still away from all that stuff, and it's the, 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 the simpleness of it, so I never really wanted to make it like a gimmick in that sense, I just wanted to bring three or four cool people or two certain weeks out of, into the woods, and light a fire. And that, that's all I want. And whatever we talk about, that's fine. Do we have some, some things planned? Do I, do I have a bit where maybe we have a, bear, a guy dressed up as a bear and he comes onto the set? Yeah, all that stuff, of course, just like a regular. We'll have bits that are apropos for the woods, uh, but mostly it's bits, but mostly just, just bringing some people that I think are cool into the woods and enjoying their company and getting away from the world. And that that was it. So I didn't want to have any like, you know, like um,
2: it's not sticky,
1: not sticky, not sticky. I didn't want to make it sticky because you know what? That's not the best part about camping. Anybody that has to camp, if you said like we could go, oh, we'll get the comedians chopping firewood. Why? (laughs) Because that's not the best part about camping. If you were camping and you were just a regular person and you're going camping and you got to your site and the person before you said, hey, I didn't use all that wood. Would you like it? No one would go, God damn it, that's my favorite part about camping is chopping the wood. No, <laughs> all the other stuff is so special. So you'll do all that stuff. You'll pack stuff. You'll pack burners. You'll chop the wood. You'll do all that stuff because that's how special camping is. So what I thought was, well, why not take the bad part out of it and let the comedians just show up and enjoy what the best part about camping? And that's what I wanted to do every week. We're still prepping food. We got—we had to throw some burgers on the grill and stuff. So we—we we, we had to do some stuff. But all the stuff you don't want to do, no, we don't. It's just—it's dark. There's animals out there, and you know, and it, and then that's that's really all it was. Okay, you know? and, and was so you really- do
2: the you do the pilot, and then the the idea is you'll do this every once in a while. You'll just go camping.
1: Well, no. I- I'd like to do it. I'd like to sell it where we're in February. We're going to go out and try to sell the concept of the show. We just shot the pilot last year at the end of the year as the year was wrapping up. But I'd like to find a home for it. You know, Netflix is always my go to now, but Comedy Central could be. But uh, I'd like to have it as a weekly show, not every night because that's too much work. Right. But once once a week, you know, uh, we take uh, a few people camping. Maybe we chop it up uh, to five to, to five nights or, you know, but uh But that's the gist of what I'd like to do, find it a home as a weekly show, Camping with Todd.
2: Camping with Todd. Well, that sounds good. So you got the special, you got Camping with Todd. I assume that when people see you uh, on your upcoming tour, you're going to be doing some material from the special. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'll have a little band with me. Uh, In the special, I have a six-piece band, but I got... Oh, I wish I could have remembered their names because they're two local musicians... That are from uh, uh, Vancouver, and they'll be playing with me. One guy will be on keyboards, and the other guy will be on drums, and they sort of play as the audience is coming in, and they accompany me. And uh, yeah, I'll be doing definitely some stuff from the special, but it hasn't aired yet, so it'll be mostly new to the audience. So, uh, but I'm looking forward to coming there. I just, like I said, I just want to get there. I'm con- I, proof that I love uh, that I love going there. I'll go and I'll get in there two days early, two days before my show, just to sort of. You know, go out, go to dinner, take in the city for two days, and then start my show on uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday.
2: And you're, I, I noticed, on, I think it was on your Twitter, maybe it was on your, your Facebook, but are, are you actively looking for musicians in each of the...
1: I found them. I do in different... Certain cities I already know musicians because I've been there before, but in this city I didn't. So I found two musicians from Vancouver that are going to play with me all week.
2: I wonder if I... You know, it's a small country here. I might know who they are. I just don't know. I don't know
1: I'll email you there or text <laughs> you their names because when I hang up, I can look on my phone and see okay. who they are. So all
2: right, that sounds great. So that's the gist of it. That's your that's your year. You've got a lot going on, and and that's what you got planned. Yeah. It's, so it's all good. Everything seems good. You seem good. You seem happy. I am. Okay.
1: Good. I am. I'm pretty happy. I get into funks like everybody, but right now I'm uh, I'm doing good. <laughs>
2: all right. Good. Well, for people listening to us, people should go to toddglass. dot com for all things Todd Glass, and I don't know, Todd, do you want to go out on a, a bit from maybe uh, something from Todd Glass Talks About Stuff? Is that the best thing? Oh, my
1: God, that goes way back. Is that why too don't far? We go, why don't we go a little closer to Thin Pig?
2: Okay, sure, sure.
1: Thin Pig, and we can talk, oh, man, making me choose through my own arsenal. Um, thin Pig, we can talk about um, having people over your house for dinner.
2: Okay, having people over, okay, and why did that come to mind?
1: Because that's on the Thin Pig CD.
2: <laughs> is that, <laughs> so that's dinner party, as I recall, right?
1: Exa- look at you.
2: I know what I'm doing. Look at you. I'm not bad. I know what I'm doing.
1: No, I'm saying, and I'm saying look at you in a good way. <laughs> oh,
2: sorry. Yeah, I am. I, I realize that now. Yeah, yeah, dinner party. This is the, the bit you want to go out on. Is there something, uh, is some reason that stuck out for you?
1: Oh, uh, just because I had a—I I probably just because over Christmas I had a dinner here, so it's its fresh in my mind. Okay.
2: <laughs> All right, this is Dinner Party. Uh, Todd, this was a, a real pleasure and an honor to have you on the show and to talk to you, and I wish you the best of luck with everything. Thanks for being you.
1: Oh, uh, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Had some people over my house. thats That's a really hard thing to do. Now, you either relate with this or you don't, but everybody remembers the first time you had, like— people over not like in college but you have people I don't know how people do it effortlessly I know my mom growing up like she could get ready get dressed and still be preparing things as people came in the house and be a host not me I have to be done five hours before everybody gets there. I sweat like I have malaria. And once I start sweating, there's no going back. I'm a party Nazi. I, uh, I want everyone to have fun, but I yell, because people, you want them to follow certain orders you have a party. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you want everyone to sit down. People don't listen. They don't listen. You go, hey, everybody, we're going to sit down. We're going to eat dinner. Okay. And then I go, my girlfriend goes, they're not sitting down. I go, well, you tell them they're not listening to me. So I go, we're fucking eating. Sit down. Go in the living room and the dining room and sit down. And then somebody, before everyone's sitting down, starts eating. I'm like, fucking wait for everybody, you pig! And these are people I love, but I just don't like the way they eat. Then somebody brings a soda bottle and puts it on the table. I'm like, no big deal. Get it the fuck off. Some people are like, why, is that wrong? And other people are going, I know what he means. Some people show up an hour early to a party. I was having a party an hour early. They go, what can we do to help? Fucking leave. (laughs) I'm not being cute either. (laughs) Ha ha ha, fucking leave, no, get in here. No, go drive around the neighborhood. I haven't even showered yet. (laughs) It was everybody bring something party. You know, everybody bring something. Hey, let me ask you a question. If I'm wrong, I've been wrong before, it's no big deal. When everybody brings something, bring something party, it means bring it made, right? Right, right, thank you. The the guy with the bag of potatoes and the butter. If that's the mashed potatoes, we're not having mashed potatoes. (laughs) Now you know a little bit more about me. We're not having mashed potatoes because I already dried out the sink. Okay, there, I said it, all right? And everybody was gathering around. It was pretty... uh, a lot of my close friends and sometimes you have people at a party. You ever have people, you go to a party and there's so many people you can't wait to talk to. You crave, you just crave seeing them. Even in the car, you're like, oh, I'm going to see them and them and you can't wait to take your own corner at the party and you're giggling and having fun and then somebody stops you. Hey, how you doing? Ah, fuck. (laughs) Fuck. You feel like the type of people, if you tried to get by them, they would block you. Ah, ah, oh shit, you know I don't like you. hmm. Oh shit, I didn't know you knew, we knew. I thought nobody, I thought you didn't know. Now, you know? Okay. How are you? You <laughs> start sweating. They tell you the most boring story, you know. Oh my God, on the way here, we almost got in a car accident. So basically nothing happened. Good, that's a good one to start. What I do is when people tell me a really boring story, this is a good one. This really does work. You gotta be nice. If someone tells you a really boring story, commit. Go like this, go, act like you're interested. Go, oh my God, that is so interesting. I actually read about that in Who Gives a Fuck magazine. <laughs> and chew your nail, it makes it look less evasive. <laughs> yeah, I think I read it in there. All your stories were in there, good for you. <laughs> now what do you do, you submit them or something like that? Yeah, none of my stories were in there. Keep biting your nail, that's totally cool. I have an aunt, she shows up to a lot of these parties when they're Christmas and, you know, holiday parties. She's always, she's a little bit, uh, you know, she's like, uh, a little large. And, uh, I don't, in case she hears the CD. Um, I don't mean large like, you know, that. I mean large like, hey. Uh, yeah, she's like, hey! I mean like larger than life. She's like got a great attitude. And, uh... She's always like, oh my God. She tries to rationalize why she's eating so much of something by claiming it's so, she'll like eat cookies. She goes, oh my God, normally I wouldn't eat so many. What are these? I'm like, they're Oreos. <laughs> it was everybody bring something. We talked about that. Some girl, and by the way, don't bring what you have. Look, I'm not a rich guy. Go to dollar store, you can get bowls for a buck. You know, you ever have somebody and they bring it in a poor person's bowl? You know what I mean? Come on, it's yellow with a handle. It's got dog chew marks all over it. <laughs> It looks like it's been used as a water bowl for a few years. It's been put in the microwave a few hundred times. All the dog chew marks are melted. They got newspaper on the top with a rubber band. Thanks for bringing the potato salad on that. I'll just plop that right down on the table. No problem. One girl brought this stuff called corn pudding. Now, uh, thank you. What if she was here tonight? Anyway, but <laughs> this stuff, corn pudding, it was gross. But what are you gonna say? Someone goes, if something's really good, what do you say? Sometimes you even curse, because you know that you're like, they go, how is it? You go, are you shitting me? This is unfucking believable Because it's like a sauce and it's so good, you wanna dip your bread in it, right? But if something's bad, you tend to say, oh my God, this is so fucking good. Because there's no in between, right? You can't go, hey, how is it? You know what, it's not the best thing I ever had, but it's not the worst either. Nothing? That's a compliment in there somewhere. Sift through it. So she brought this stuff, uh, corn pudding, and then I, I go, it's so good. So she goes, it's so easy. It's so easy to make. But I'm thinking, no shit. Uh, I'd be surprised if this was hard to make, to be honest. I'd be like, hmm, something this shitty, hard to make. You wouldn't have thought so. Looks like you just threw it together, to be honest. She goes, all I do is take two cans of cream corn, dump them in a pot. First of all, I don't like any recipe involves the word dumping. You know, it it doesn't look like you're putting a lot of love into it. Dumping can. I just dump this can. I dump it. I dump it on. Think about that. I'm dumping it. Hey, let me dump some shit on some other shit. I'm dumping it. Hey, I'm almost done. And stuff on other stuff. Like, she thought the recipe had to be void of any love or anything. And then once she knew I liked it, I'm not making this up. She, do get that she thinks I like it, so why shouldn't she tell me everything? She goes, and you know that stuff I made? I'm supposed to put butter and eggs in it, but I didn't have any, so I just baked it and I burnt it. Like, are you gonna stop? I, was, I started to think, like, how far would she go in my head, like, to be a parody of herself? I'm just afraid she'd be like, oh, here's that way I make it. I lay in bed, and there's next to my bed is a, uh, a Bunsen burner and a pot and a canoe warm. And as my husband fucks me, I stare at I put no thought into it whatsoever. All I do is think about, you know, we're fucking, and I'm fucking, and he's, and I'm staring, and he's fucking, and I'm staring, and I'm like, hey, and he's like, hey, and I'm like, hey. And I'm fucking and he's staring. I keep doing it because there's some people laughing and I think I can make him have a heart attack. And I'm fucking and he's staring and he's like, ha! And then he goes, think about the recipe a little. I go, no, it's all about the fucking. And he's staring and then I'm staring and he's like, huh? And I'm like, ha! I don't like doing that bit. I'm gonna be honest, I really don't like doing that bit and I'll tell you why. People came tonight. I want uh, everybody to have a good time tonight. Probably a sign of... Not not always a good sign. Not good. But uh, I want everyone to have a good time. And what if you came tonight with, like, your neighbors? And I'm doing that bit. You know? (laughs) where you brought your parents. Because you go, hey, let's go see a comedy show. What could go wrong? (laughs) And then I'm up here going, and he's fucking, and I'm staring. And then he's fucking, and I'm staring, and he's fucking... And then you're like, oh my god, I hope this bit ends soon. And then the bit ends, and you're like, thank god, the rest of his act is pretty funny, you know? And then I start doing the part now where I'm talking about it, you're like, oh my, he's fucking, and I'm staring and I'm fucking, and he's stirring. So I'm not gonna do that bit anymore. I'm gonna drop it out of the act. Oh my god, that could be the name of my CD. He's fucking, and I'm stirring. Write that down, guys. The guys with the headsets over there, right? He's fucking, and I'm stirring. Or, you know what? Another name for the CD could be I Mushed a Puppy Till It Shit on My Pants. If you like that one? We'll take uh, votes.
2: <laughs> From the record Thin Pig, that was Todd Glass with the uproarious and potentially offensive dinner party. I hope you weren't offended by all of that cursing. But anyway, thanks to Todd for being on this 300th episode of Creative Control with Vish Khanna, which is sponsored by some local businesses here in Guelph where I live, namely The Bookshelf, which is an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie theater, and restaurant located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. More info about The Bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, please visit bookshelf.ca. Also Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They are located at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph, or you can learn more about them at trocaderoguelph.ca. You can also call them. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. They, they are great. They're great. Also, Planet Bean Coffee, the best coffee in town. Planet Bean uh, serves freshly roasted, fair trade, certified organic coffee. They have three locations in Guelph. They also service other businesses throughout Ontario, Give them a call, drop them a line, learn more about them at planetbeancoffee.com. If you want to learn more about this show, it's available on iTunes. Please go on iTunes and look for Creative Control with Vishkana and subscribe to it, review it, rate it, whatever you can. And it's also available on audioboom.com and uh, Vishkana.com. You can go to patreon.com creative control and make a flexible monthly donation to the show. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. A version of the show airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time at CFRU.ca around the world or CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. So there's lots of things for you to see and do. There's big, big news in the world of me and this show. We are doing three live tapings in Toronto for a new TV show that I got called Long Night with Vishkana. If you listen to the show regularly, you know that I do this Talk show, long night at long winter, but let me tell you about this. This is a, a little bit different, but kind of the same. We're doing these tapings with Five TV One, and uh, basically they're all happening at the Great Hall located at 1087 Queen Street West in Toronto. They occur on Monday, January 30th, Tuesday, January 31st, and Wednesday, fe- February 1st. And my guests, and you just go to my website, vishakana.com, for more information, or the Facebook uh, page for more information. But my guests are Carl Wilson, uh, noted writer Carl Wilson, Shad, Jasmine Burke of Weaves, Denise Donlin, Sandy Miranda of Fucked Up, April Alirmo of Hooded Fang and Phaedra. The Sadies are going to perform and have a chat on the show. Uh, bad singer, author Tim Falconer, and voice coach and musician and singer uh, Mika Barnes. Damian Abraham of Fucked Up, Casey Messia. Uh, video game people like uh, Mare Shepard, uh, Reagan Burns and Sean Hatton are going to be on the show, and also Nirvana the Band, the show, and Antti Donahue. Huge lineup. We're going to film these episodes in the evening, and there's more details, as I say, at, uh, at my website, vishkana.com. But long night, actual TV tapings happening in Toronto, January 30th, 31st, and February 1st. So please come out to those. There's tickets. You can buy tickets, or, well, it's free, but you can reserve tickets. So please do that. All right. I I have nothing more to say. I've said enough. I will talk to you soon. Thanks to you for listening to all 300 of these episodes so far. More to come. Bye for now.